0: Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered.
1: 29 shots, 12 on target, 68% possession, 504 passes, 80% passing accuracy, zero goals. We all came down to earth with a bit of a bump last night, obviously with the one-nil loss to obviously Rotherham. Um before we get into unpacking Christ knows what from that game, um, let's welcome back to the podcast, Mr. Daniel Buxton. How are you, mate?
2: You've you just stolen, you know, you've stolen the whole, the whole review.
1: But <laughs> if if that's the review, we've done a really shoddy job this week. <laughs> I take it you're alright though, yeah? Busy yes,
2: mate. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you.
1: Good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sound mate. I'm, I'm a bit tired, but I'll, I'll be fine. Um, and uh, very pleased actually to welcome a, a new guest to the pod. Um, Anthony Hall, welcome, Ant.
3: Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on
1: thanks no, thanks for coming on mate um I mean obviously for anyone who probably not heard of yourself before mate do you want to just give us a bit of an overview you know just generally your background how you got into Stoke um maybe one of your earliest memories or favorite memories just so we can get to know you a bit better
3: yeah I've been going for ooh, 53 years I mean I've been a stoke fan all my life obviously my dad was a stoke fan um got involved with a couple of websites the old stoke mad if you remember it um as a moderator um and also, is on the uh, be loyal, be proud, be Stoke on the Facebook site. Uh, I met Dan a few years ago when refereeing Stoke Ramblers matches. Don't boo. I wasn't a good referee. I'm not a proper referee. Um,
1: <laughs> was was Dan really misbehaved? Did he get loaded red cards? N- no, he was. He,
3: he, he was um, not the quickest. <laughs> not the quickest player. <laughs> he
1: was, uh, He's still not. <laughs> <laughs>
3: But no, he was never any problem. Yeah, well, but it was good help, really. Because, I mean, I, I went along just as when they were look, looking for somebody to referee the games. So I said, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll turn up, I'll do it. And um enjoyed it, to be quite honest. Uh, which is not always. I mean, but I found the Stoke lads were always very good. And the accepted decisions, well, you got some fearful sick from the opposition fans. It was opposition players from the, the fans league. But, you know, it was... Uh, there was something could have a giggle about afterwards. It was, it was never that serious. Yeah, 53 years uh, going down. Earliest wow. memories. I, funny about earliest memories, because one that always sticks out in my mind was a goal John Ritchie scored against Newcastle United in the in 1970, 69, and a 3-0 win at the Old Victoria ground. When there was when It was a foul on the edge of the box for Newcastle, and the lad just rolled it back to the keeper. It was only three foot away from him, and Ritchie went through both of them, didn't you know straight through both of them? It would never have been allowed now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was going to say, so but it wasn't even a booking, was it?
3: No, no, wasn't give a goal. Goal? goal. You give a goal? Oh my you know, god! The, the goal, didn't get there quick enough, and the well, the defender didn't. Marry just went, he just went through defenders then, anyway. You know, it was a different game, totally different game. But it's just always stuck out in memory because that was probably one of the first goals I remember. You, know, you see, young boy.
1: I seem to remember. I mean, I was literally. I was in single figures. My, my first game at Victoria. I seem to remember us winning one nil, and I've got Man United in my head. But I, yeah, that
3: would have be been a Wednesday night. We wanted to. It?
1: Uh, it was yeah, a night game, yeah. Yeah,
3: Brendan O'Callaghan goal maybe.
1: Eddie? Wow, if you can remember, I'm impressed if you can remember that, mate. But yeah, I, I don't remember it as a kid. I don't remember how old I would have been, but that was my first, and to be honest with you, probably my only memory of the Victoria Ground they moved pretty soon after it
3: I'll tell you why I had a good memory of that game well it's not a funny story I had uh, I had mumps right it, um, I, because well, I couldn't miss the game, Stoke Man United is home, so I went into the ground with a scarf around my neck which was swollen and just around my neck but it wasn't just around me, the mumps had travelled uh, southwards by the time I got to the buzz on the way back uh, so it was right. t- that's why I remember the game Way
1: remember your game, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever it takes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. these days we just remember it for for bad reasons, and that's <laughs> probably not it's not a it's not a great reason. But, um, yeah, well, no, anyway, mate, thank you very much for joining us. Um, and I guess, boys, we, yeah, we need to start to unpack this match. So, I mean, obviously the stats kind of speak for themselves, I mean, oh. it was a com- completely dominating performance. Um, and we somehow lost. I mean, Anthony. How did we lose that game? Where 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 did it go wrong?
3: It was a difficult one. I mean, we, you know, walking back from the game afterwards and just talking to people as you do on the way back to the car, everybody was upbeat. You know, there wasn't any, there wasn't so much moaning. There's been a bit of moaning in the ground because a lot of the shots when we got in good positions went straight at the keeper. Mm. But I don't, I honestly don't think we could have done much else. I, I looked, I've said I looked at all sixteen players and that pl- that turned up on the pitch during the night. And we we actually, every one of them played well. I mean, you might pick on the goal and say, Joe should have done better, but it came through a lot of players. And, you know, it, it, it's just one of them things, I think, when it goes on a of, But we had enough chances to win the game.
1: Well, you know? I've seen comments, mate, about people saying that they thought Tyrese was a bit selfish at times. Uh. <sighs> I think that's a bit harsh, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, obviously the one-on-one with the goalkeeper, tricky one. I think it wasn't as easy as it as it kind of looked. Maybe you got a chipped over the keeper, but he's, he's got to be selfish there. So you can't you can't accuse him for that. The back post header, you've got to score that for me. And again, what else do you expect him to do? So I can't it, particularly remember a selfish moment, but I could be wrong here. It, the
3: back post header should have should have, he should have scored. He Should have scored. But I mean, you know, I looked earlier on in the season, and certainly. You're thinking, has he lost a bit of pace? You know, is he the same player as he was before the injury the same, you know, player looking as though he was gonna be before the injury? And he had to say his pace is he's, he's ripping defender And I was being past him for fun.
1: Yeah, he's the old Tyrese, isn't he? finishing.
3: Yeah, you know, and on Saturday it was fabulous finish. I mean that you know, he's watched on Premiership and listened to the they still been raving about it. He'd have been yeah. leaving about it. He picked the smallest gap, and he knew exactly what he was doing. You know, and I think I think he's come back really well this season, and he's looking sharp. And it'll come, it'll come. I'm not, I'm not worried about Terry. It'll come.
1: No, no, same here, mate. He's still a, a bloody good player. Mm. Um, another person which I again, Dan, I thought was really. I mean, not, it's hard to again single players out because I think the same as Sheffield United, they all, they were all good. But um, Jagielka and Fosu. And even Sterling, to a certain extent, all of them were brilliant. Fossu is like a player reborn in that attacking position, isn't he?
2: He's definitely not a defender, is he? <laughs> That's not that. where his strengths lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, you know, compared to the Fossu who was playing at fullback and the, you know, comparing to the Fossu who's now playing, you know, as, as a winger up, up in the top end of the field, he, like says say, if two different players, aren't they? And... Yeah, you know, we've got to keep him playing. If we're going to play him, you've got to play him now in an attacking role because, and he's shown what he can do there. We've, as for Jagielka, like you say, considering you know, he took a quite a hefty, you know, thump you know in the first couple of minutes, didn't he? He's he's recovered quite well. He's he's kept going and you know had a fantastic game really. And Marshall did it for, for the defense that, their main job even for the defense was forward thinking once he was going forward and and getting you know advancing and that and he's really helped to keep the ball moving quickly he's not let anything like you know because I think the last few years we've really struggled on the counter-attack and then a lot of conceded a lot of goals haven't we when we have been forward and teams have literally found it really easy to just come across win the ball ball over the top And they're in, or you know, one, two quick passes through the midfield, link strikers link up, and they're in on goal. You know, got a thirty-yard run at goal or something, and we've conceded a lot, a lot like that. But didn't him and Wilmot never? You know, there was no chance of that at all, was there? There was no, there was never a time when we uh, we looked like we were going to concede, other than obviously the goal. Which, and I, I can't help but think when I watch that goal. When That cross comes in. I can't help but think that if Phil Jagielka's there, he, he, he clears the ball. I, can't, oh, I just oh. see him there clearing it
3: every, every time.
2: time,
3: every time. Yeah,
2: it's his it area. Yeah, it, it is, isn't it? Because that's exactly where he was as well when he got when he, when he took that thump as well. Once it in you know in that sort of area compared to where the players were, and I mean, that-, that ball comes through the extra body there, his man in the middle and he'd just, he'd just get something, he'd read it, read the flight of the ball and get some of it. And, I don't want to be
1: too critical though, Dan, but um, if you watch the build-up to that corner, Alex Neal is the one who's told Tyrese Campbell to stand where he's told him to stand. Should, has he told the wrong person to stand in the wrong place? Or the right place, but the wrong person? Or is it just... So it, I, it, it, I, I I don't know. I think
2: that they've played it around Tyrese too easily. Like he's not Sort of, I mean, like being able to cut off cut off the move.
1: Yeah, because I, I just think of them central areas. That's where you need your, you know, your, your defensive players. And obviously Tyrese has has ran over to Alex Neal quickly. Alex Neal's told him where to go. And obviously then it's kind of gone through Tyrese from what I remember. And it, again, I was in block 34, so I haven't actually seen the highlights back yet. But uh, I was in block 34, and that's the way that I saw it um, from there. Because I, 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 I paid special attention... When I saw Tyrese running over, wondering what on earth he was talking about, and then he's yeah, gone in there and it's the gone point. through him. And I was just thinking, is that should have that been more Tyrese tell Joe Bloggs to go go and stand there, mark that play or whatever it is? He could be over-analysing it here, and I, I don't want to be too critical because it was a bloody good for performance. But that's probably the only chink in the armor that I, I saw really. I think
2: I'd say that Alex Neal probably demands that all of his players are are capable of, of doing something defensively at set pieces. Mm. Like and I think maybe he looks at Campbell and thinks, you're not, you know, as Tyrese admitted on here, did not he, when we spoke to him on here, the 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 main weakness in his game he feels is his heading, doesn't he? Yeah. And so is he is he worth him having is it worth having him in the penalty box, marking somebody or with his pace and his easy, you know, his quick movements and that, is he probably best just on the edge, like I say, where he can sort of you know, maybe try and get some pressure. Is Alex Neal's thinking right in uh, get him out there where he can put pressure on players?
3: I'd always, I'd always rather have a man on the halfway line, it
2: it especially two, somebody with Campbell's up. pace.
3: Yeah, and it takes two of their players away. Yeah. The athlete, they can't come and out. They're not going to stand on the edge of the box with the ball that we tend to head out and go straight to a player there. If they're on I the think, line, they're out of, tr- we're out of trouble.
2: I think as well, when you try and defend, sometimes less is more. If you've got if you've got less players in the penalty box, if you've got good defenders who can read the read the flight of a, of a cross or a corner, it's easier for them to make the movement, isn't it, to go and meet the ball and then head it away. Than if they've got twenty players in the way and they've got to try and manoeuvre themselves around,
3: you see so many games now where the, the the ball comes into the box, the keeper catches or picks it up, and he's he's got a pass on. If there's a man up there with pace like like Campbell's got, there's a pass on. Yeah. If he get that pass, you know, accurately enough, he's going to outpace most people.
2: And let's face it, I mean. Basics, people, you know, Basics distribution hasn't been fantastic this season, but he, he can kick it long. And in that instance, all he needs to do is get it over the defence, think, don't you? Yeah. He, he can get it over the halfway line. And that's all he, he's got. He's got a massive gap to hit it into.
1: Yeah. Sterling and um, and Fosu had them on, on toast. Didn't he? He, he, both of them were beating their full-backs time and time again. Like, yeah. first half, the. How, again, I know we've said this throughout the whole match, but how we did not score. I mean, Delap he's messed that header up as well. He should be scoring there. Well,
2: it I came off know. his shoulder, didn't it? Oh, he's got so much
1: time. Like It shouldn't be coming off his shoulder.
2: Well, what happened was, because uh, I watched the game back one uh, last night, uh, just sort of like briefly through it, and as it's come over the defender, it's flicked off a defender, which has looped oh. it slightly. So he's had to sort of readjust himself, and he just sort of, but he didn't take any pace off the ball. He just changed the flight of it slightly, and he's and he's ended up just sort of shouldering it into the keeper's arms. If he had took a Nick, he did, it, but that was the night we had one not That so it's
3: it happened later on as well, didn't he, with the Wright Phillips thing? Yes, minutes. yes, he yeah, he, he um, head, hooked up on his chest and didn't go anywhere.
2: Yeah, well, he, he, he sort of. Went for the corner, went for, out for a corner, didn't it? And the keeper had you know any any other time like I say it would rebound that close the goal could rebound in. And then the keepers the keepers on the floor for however long. And then he gets up to make a miraculous save from Nick Powell from the corner.
3: Yeah.
2: Well
1: you, you've actually taken me on nicely to what I wanted to mention next, to be honest. Gavin Ward was an absolute bloody disgrace. Yes well, again. Never well, Oh, okay. Let's let's start with the the amusing side of this. Uh, Dwight Gale counting. The goalkeeper, Um, I, I wish that, that would have been recorded, but he was literally <laughs> there, wasn't he? On his finger, I was like, is he doing what I think he's doing? And then he he, he, re- he, really was, counting him there. And the referee, not once did he actually warn the goalkeeper to stop wasting time. And somebody I was with at the game counted one of them at one point. And believe it or not, it was 16 seconds that he had the ball in his hand at one point. 16 four, seconds.
3: It was four of five. 15, 16 seconds. My lad was counting them sitting next
1: to me. Just ridiculous. Like, what the hell? I thought they were meant to be coming down harder on them and booking them and, and everything now to try and stop time-wasting.
2: And well, he they did prob- nothing. They probably are. It's just Gavin Ward who doesn't.
1: <laughs> I, I, I must admit, if he could have pulled on a yellow shirt last night, I think he would have done. Like I mean,
2: they were, Unbelievable. They were time-wasting from as soon as they scored. And yeah, you know, the away team in a game that they were probably set up... to Let's be honest, I think they set up to get a point, didn't they? They haven't won away all season. They've got a new manager. Yeah, they, yeah, you can understand why they're going to time waste, but that's down to the ref then to control that situation and make sure make sure they don't, you know, waste time excessively. Mm. You know, and, and he didn't do it. He lost control of, of that, didn't he? Just, just going
3: back to that, though... Uh, not just time wasting. Have uh, you done time at the end of the off? First off, with the, how long Jagielka was down for? How long would you say it was? Probably five minutes. I think it was like,
2: three, three and was, a half.
3: And one of their players was down for quite a long time. Yeah. Uh, with the with the with the mystery injury. And then you got the that you did actually warn him quite a few times, told him get on with it first off. He did actually tell the keeper to get on with it, and yet he only added four minutes on.
1: And then there was the tackle on. Oh, I can't remember who it was now. It was, he got booked for it, the player I can't remember what happened, who it was. Um,
3: oh, on Gale. And it,
1: it was a Gale, yeah. was it? Yeah, and yeah. that could have easily been a red. Looked to red. Certainly different where I was seeing. Yeah. It looked like it was a high boot. Again, I don't know if they. The replays show anything? Probably not, because it's a controversial moment. Like they can't put anything on the bloody scoreboards because it's controversial, which I think is a bloody joke. But e- either way, you know, I don't know if it's on the highlights, Dan, if you if you've seen them or anything like that. But again, yeah, it,
2: was, it was late. It was late. he wasn't. He he made connection. It was like on the top of his foot, like the laces part of his boots. So it wasn't excessively high right. in the end, but it was late
3: on the laces part of. Of uh, the- uh, Gail's boot.
2: So he's with his studs. Yeah. Yeah. Well. It's yeah. It's yeah, it's it's, it's definitely. I've seen him given as reds. Definitely.
1: Mm. Especially if they're wearing a red and white shirt, mate. I've seen. Them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
3: like, yeah,
2: be, yeah. Yeah. I mean, after the Harwood Bellies tackle though at uh, Huddersfield, when Gavin Ward is raffing us, uh, I think he if he's going by that, has not been a red, and I don't know if there's much that he gives the red cards.
3: There was another one later on in the same game, Dan, and, it, and that was a red as well. They they could have had nine players, and what what makes it even worse, I think, and when people, when the referees do this, is, especially in the othersfield game last year, the lad went up front and scored. Yeah, you
2: know, yeah, 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 yeah. I think what what gets me is I, I mean I've seen I've seen Gavin Ward ref games like other game non Stoke games in the championship on Sky and that, and every time he just seems to have a shocker. And it makes you wonder, like, you know, what, how does he keep getting these games? How does he keep getting wrestling championship games? Well,
1: I can't see him getting a Stoke one again anytime soon, mate, because I think uh, a complaint, no doubt, is going to go in against him. And I think the, they will try and keep that one away from him, I think.
3: Well, hopefully so.
1: Hopefully hopefully
2: so. But I bet we're not the only club who've complained about him, if that's the case. So he might be limited on who he can wrestle. <laughs>
1: well, I think what they... What they I don't... I've seen a documentary a while back um, and I think I believe what they do on when they have to go back into the, uh, to their head office or wh- wherever it is, I believe they do sit down and analyze with one of the, I'm not sure who their senior is or whatever it is, but they, they sit down with an analyst and then they have to, they run through the game, any key moments, ask them to analyze it, ask them to, to comment on what the reasons for their decisions were and stuff like that. Obviously we'll never be privy to those conversations. They'll never yeah. let that get out. But um, hopefully, you know, he looks back and realises he's made another cock-up like he did last time. Uh, and, you know, if we put a complaint in as well, I just can't see them allowing him to referee another the Stoke match. Because at the same time, if he's going and seeing mistakes that he's making, he's then not impartial either. I've said this before, he's not impartial. Because somewhere, subconsciously, he might think that he owes us one.
3: I've just written the name down. I've just written the name down while you're saying that.
2: Martin Atkinson. Uh, do you know what I was thinking? the Exact
3: same thing. <laughs> you know, we used to. I mean, and it was it was ridiculous. You knew you were almost waiting for the man to get sent off every time, yeah. it didn't matter
2: what the opposition did. Do you remember the game at Newcastle where we were two records
3: half time? We'd had Hugh sent off, and
2: then <laughs> uh, was it Mark Wilson and who else was? Was oh. it uh,
1: centre back? Was it Leon? Not no, not Leon Court.
3: No, it was a bit after no. that one. It's a few. Yeah. Injured. We were doing so well in that game as well. We were
2: winning 1-0 and dominating it, weren't we? Yeah, and, then, and then, then he sent he sent two players off, one after another, and then Hughes had a bit of a kick-off at half-time. He sent him off at an all. Well, yeah. and was it so- Br- Bruno Martin's Indy, was it? Oh, I can't remember now. It's going
1: back a bit. I seems, uh, yeah, I think it might have been. But either, either way, I know what you're saying. Yeah, wow, Atkinson. Although he, did ju- he actually came to the, to the Bet365 a couple of times after that, and he was all right. He got a lot of really? moves, but he was all right.
2: Probably oh, didn't do anything else. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I remember the game at Tottenham as well, where Shawcross, you know, there was a boot gun in his face, and he put his hand up to stop the boot in his face, and he gave a penalty for Ambo, and he, the foot was <laughs> in his face. Uh, I hated the bloke. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs>
1: well, on a bit more po- uh, positive side to this, um, you mentioned defence earlier on. So I'll tell you what, this is now actually a very good time to mention it. We have talked about how good the defence has been. Wilmot's been solid all season. Obviously, Jags has come in and, for me, feels a bit undroppable. So, obviously, Suter um, has come back for the under-21s. Where does he fit in? Firstly, who the heck do you drop for him? Um, And when do you drop them? Because surely he can't get back into this team right now, can he?
3: Well, you you look at it and you think, I mean, I never realised how good Jagielka was. And he's 40 now, and he looks class. He, you know, you can understand why he played for England. You can understand why he had such a good career. But at 40 years old, he still looks a class player. Wilmot, unbelievable. I think he's been playing brilliant. He was excellent last night again.
1: He just He's a, su- such a solid player, isn't he? He doesn't yeah. do anything... I mean, do, I know he got that uh, worldy last, uh, last season against yeah, Preston, but Preston, yeah. he doesn't do anything wrong. He's just a steady Eddie. So I guess you, you could only say that if we're playing four at the back, that he, he has to drop Wilmot. But um, I've said last week, he needs to earn his place, Suter. He's a bloody good defender. But I don't think he gets an instant right to come straight back in. And neither do I think Neil would force him back in without good reason either. So um, those that defence has got to be on guard because if either of those two drop the game, he will be straight back in, and then there's no way they gain him out again.
3: I think the only thing you could have said about Wilmot uh, uh, as a negative thing was he gave the ball away too much and, and quite, you know, in, in dangerous areas, but he stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. He has actually stopped doing it, and, he, and he, I think I heard on your last podcast, was he winning the player of the season thing the,
2: I think he was top on it, Dan. He yes.
3: was top. He, yeah, he, was yeah top. he is, yeah. Um, deservedly so. Yeah, you, know, you, you you can't knock what he's doing at the moment. He's playing very, very well.
2: And I think people, it's easy to because we we signed him and he didn't sort of come through our system. I think it's easy to forget just how young he is as well. Yeah. For a, for a centre half, yeah, he's only 22.
3: Yeah, yeah, and and you know you you've kind of took note of him, at other clubs, and you think he's been around a bit longer than that, but he is, yeah, 22. Got time. a lot
1: to learn. Got yeah. a lot to learn, but Christ, if he's this good now.
3: But if, if, he's keep... next, if he's learning next, if he's next to Jagielka, you know, yeah. a, a, a leader, somebody who will organise the defence and keep him in positions, then you know he's not going to go wrong. So, so
1: simply then, to both of you, do, does he come back in, Suter? if he's fit and he can play ninety minutes? Does he come back in, or is, does he have to be benched until someone makes a
2: mistake? I, I don't think I don't think you can change that. back them them is a pairing at the minute
3: six games ago, I would have had, if Suter was fit, I would have said, get him in quick. Get him yeah. in. I don't feel like that now, and at the moment I would honestly say, no, he doesn't come straight back in.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah, I just wonder, like I say, would, if you take Alca back out, are we going to lose? Are we going to go back into that sort of you know, where nobody knows what they're doing and everyone's sort of looking around for somebody to tell them what to do, which I think happened against Watford and that the other games prior to that. Uh, I think Flint Flint's a decent player. He's not fantastic. He's he, he's not awfully terrible either. But he's he's very much a person who I think concentrates on his own game and he, he doesn't really boss the defence and, and organise everyone else around him in the same way that Jad Yalka does. No, no, and just if Suter's gonna come back in, I think it's a bit difficult to ask him to do that straight away. So that means he's got to come in for Wilmot and do you think Jagielka and Suter is, about, is a central partnership? Is it fair on Wilmot not to play? How how long was Aidan Flint's contract?
1: Was it 12 months?
2: I think it was. Yeah, it. He's 12 <laughs> with an option, I think. I think it is, yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: So this, I mean, to be fair, this could spell the end for Flint, actually. Depends well, how, it depends how far Jagielka is in that pecking order, if he sees him as being too old, even though he's been doing really well. depends what Neil's thoughts are here.
3: The thing with Flint is, I, feel, I felt as though every time we've got a dead ball si- situation or a corner, we did the same thing every time. We kept pumping it into the back post, Jim.
2: Mm. The
3: head back into the box. And we've we got no variety in the set pieces.
2: Yeah, because the you know, managers and opposition. Yeah, they're not stupid. At this level, they pick up on stuff like that, don't they? And it Do wasn't yeah. long before they realised, oh, well, this is all. They have got the one tactic: so just crowd Flint out and make, or or even make sure he's not close enough to the goal to you know get an effort on himself, and make sure everyone's we win the second ball. And if he knocks it down,
3: he's a mucking yeah. nettles defender as well, and he's not a. He's not, yeah. Great. He'd have been
2: no good last night. He'd have been no good in that game last night, would he? Because the defense last night had two good, but Wilmot, Jagielka, Sterling, um, and even Fox to a certain oh. degree. Was they were all comfortable on the ball and the all. And what I liked was the crisp, even in the defense, he was one touch, they weren't taking two, three touches to move it, which that's been Stokes' problem in the past, I think, hasn't it and yeah. That, that's why we've struggled to break teams down a lot of it and create chances because, by the time you take two touches and you play 6 yards square, then they take two, three touches and play out to the fullback. The defense, the opposition are just—they're all settled. They get, and you're, not, you're not moving them. Whereas I thought last night, everything was done with a tempo, wasn't it? Everything was done sharp. It was quick. It wasn't rushed. It was just done. It was done quickly and smoothly, and I think that's why we created so many opportunities. And but yeah, I could say with Flint in there, you know that he wouldn't he, that's not his game, and, and he wouldn't have been able to contribute to that. I don't think I think we wouldn't be able to make up, you know, there's a lot of chances we wouldn't have been able to get last night if he was playing.
1: Well, you know, speak, speaking of performances, by the way, I mean, Dan, I'm not going to. Still, your thunder too much, but um, you might have the man of the match poll results, which I don't think anyone's going to be overly surprised about.
2: Yeah, so uh, straight away, Tyrese Campbell took a um, an early lead, shall we say?
4: <laughs> and I
2: thought, and you got my vote. I'll be honest. Um, not- I thought, he, I thought he was fantastic last night, um, a real danger, and you know, sort of back looking back to his best. But then, when I checked back a few hours later, Phil Jagielka had stormed past him. <laughs> um so Jagielka, you. Yeah, Jagielka's won on 39%. Campbell has got 22%. And then Wilmot has got 9% and is in third. Uh, Potamus, Chris Hancock, <laughs> I didn't even see. He got 1%. I, thought I was must admit,
1: odd. though, bloody Potamus. I was, I was in the... Uh which is called the concourse area, sure. and, um, yeah. yeah, well, in the fa- family area, and bloody Potamus and Potamus, um bloody blocking my way through. <laughs> I he push him out of the way, like, shut up, <laughs> trying, to, trying to get through here, you big... Well, words, hippos. thinking, Yeah, hippos, Yeah, that's probably good. But, yeah, I must admit, though, the, the, the stuff they do in that family area is brilliant. Like, there's so much going on. Uh, as, as a kid, you know, got table football, got FIFA... Um, they had some stuff going on down there. Oh. For, um, like you could you could give. Um, I think it was Christmas cards or, or or some some postcards that you could do for the players. And if you did one, then you got given a free book. One was like um, a player's biography, uh, autobiography that was on there, and then a load of random books. That was a nice little idea. Um, so yeah, it was no, yeah, it, was, it was good. They were just bloody potamous. You didn't. You don't deserve that one percent. <laughs> <my> way. Well. <laughs>
2: Uh, somebody put Gavin Ward on I've there. just he literally must... seen that.
1: Yeah. Was that it? Was that Gavin Ward himself?
2: Uh, Adam Smith, you've got a lot to answer for, you have, Adam. Six votes you got, including John, o- John Oldfield.
3: What are you doing, John?
1: <laughs> right, that's it. We're kicking all of them out of the group, mate. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm hitting that kick button.
3: I think they were probably talking from a... Rather on point
1: of view, rather than Stoke on there. <laughs> <laughs> Too right, they were,
2: mate. Uh, um, I will say one thing just before we move on from this: uh, Liam Delap got no votes, and I, that on the court, I think, is a little bit harsh. I thought he had a, a good game last night. I thought he was, he was out. I didn't mean, think he was quite a man of the match, but I think you know if there's some other players that got man of the match. That you know, Josh Loren, Morgan Fox, Joey Bursik, even though he didn't make the save. <laughs> Yeah, Fossu. You know, they they've got plenty of votes in that. Yeah, you know, I think yeah, I thought the lot would have you know deserves at least one. <laughs> He's a, uh, I thought he had a good game. He put himself about. He's he got in plenty of chances. He wasn't scared to have a shot. And yeah, it was quite a promising performance really. For so I he, to put it this way, I thought he looked a lot more, a lot better, and a lot more complete championship forward last night than he did before when he was in the team, before he got dropped.
1: Oh, actually, one, one person, I don't know what you just said, that's reminded me, but one person that we haven't mentioned, I do, I do want to move on because we spent a long, enough time on this. Um, that ball that Dwight Gale played into Campbell to set him yeah. one-on-one, Oh my God. <laughs> like, come on, any player in any division, Premier League, whoever you are, that is one hell of a pass to see that.
3: Yeah, it, it was a fantastic pass. It was well taken as well, really, because it was a firmly hit pass. But I, you know when you're talking about whether he should have checked the keeper or not, I actually thought he he did the right thing going that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was too close to him, and th- it was just good keeping.
0: Just
1: yeah, no a, arguments.
3: What uh, but, but a fabulous pass! Absolutely fabulous pass.
1: And again, and, he's and, not scoring goals, but he's he's showing his worth elsewhere. For me, Dwight, I'm I'm not bothered if he's not scoring as long as but, somebody else is. Then I'm not bothered.
3: I just wish he'd just hit his horse or something and drop in, you know. <laughs>
1: a bit or, of su- Sulaiman Lawry, Sula yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. who would have
2: thought he'd have been the number ten though when we signed him. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> little playmaker, I thought he was anything but. I'll be honest, I thought he was just yeah, a, was a tapping team. merchant.
3: You can't remember him with pace and and scoring goals, don't you? Not uh, in the championship anyway. I know he's he's yeah. never aged the Premiership, but yeah, he's a really good. He's he's a good addition. Yeah, he is, I think
2: What yeah. one last thing I just want to say before I say we will move on. I just. One, we never let the, the, the lads never stopped in the last night. They never let their heads go down, and I think the last ten minutes maybe they sp- looked like they were going to run out of ideas, and then Neil changed and put more subs on, and they had another burst. And I think, they, I think- they, they were attacking down the right wing, the left wing. They were going down the middle. They tried they tried crosses from deep. They tried getting to the byline and drilling him across, putting them in low, putting him in high. Um, the through balls, they tried doing like working the diamonds with the strikers to get them through. They tried every they had so there was so much like um inventiveness and and you know, different things that they, they were trying to to, to to get a chance and to, to, to get, by a score. And I don't that's something I've not seen from a, state a side for a long, long time. Usually they they'll try for 10, 15 minutes and then they'll they'll just start lumping it along because they're out of ideas. But they just kept going with so much variation in, in how they were attacking. Uh, I was really impressed with them last night.
1: And I think the the final mention, I'll go to the fans, actually. Uh, one thing I really noticed, and I've noticed in the last few weeks, and we did mention it last week, but very quickly, um, it was even at the end of the game, when we'd lost, there was a couple of boos, but I think the boos were for the referee, and then a round of applause. And it's something that I would guarantee you, you know, and it's said, Martin O'Neill do it every time. Michael O'Neill uh, days, it would have been booze for the fan, for the players. Um, the fans definitely, like Alex Neill said, have brought into their seeing effort. You know, it, I think Stoke fans have always been the same. If you show effort and you show ability and you're putting a hundred and ten percent in, you'll you'll always get support. Um, and the fans have finally turned back into the fans that they were. Previously, some time ago now, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So,
3: atmosphere was back up. Atmosphere yeah. is back up at the moment. I mean, it was Saturday, all all day Saturday. and uh, you know, and and last night was the same. And as you say, the the boos at the end weren't for Stoke. I mean, there was people around me who booed, but were clapping the team, so they weren't for Stoke. It was for the referee and uh, a bit of the time wasting efforts I think from the Rotherham players.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, absolutely,
3: mate. Sky. Uh, uh, 18,036 I think was there last night I don't mm-hmm. like these week, weekday games against sides they're not going to bring many fans anyway they're going to bring nobody
1: yeah and then, Adam's on TV and you end
3: up with 18,036 and the, and still the atmosphere was there but it had been nice with a few more in there you know And but we were excellent last night I'm not going to complain
1: yeah, absolutely. So before we move into some of the news and bits like that, uh, we caught up again with the uh, Rotherham camp. So uh, let's have a quick listen to what they had to say. Hopefully, they're not gloating too much.
5: To say we ran a look is a probably a bit of an understatement. Um, it was backs against the world wall type of performance. I had to rely on the goalkeeper. Our goalkeeper Victor Hansen had certainly a game of the season. Um, he pulled off some great saves, saving injury time from the Glancing Header. Was a stunning save. Uh, there was a chance in the first half as well where the Stoke strikers running through and Victor's just sort of clawed it away. Those are two really key moments in the game. Um, obviously, if Stoke could finish the dinner, then we'd, then we'd have been in trouble. Um, but it wasn't to be on the night we've all been there as fans and where we've, our team's fully deserved the win and not got the win. Uh, and that just, just happened to be one of those nights. Um, the worst thing you do as a home team is let your opposition get an early goal. Because it just gives gives it gave us a platform, uh, it gave us something to fight for, not just a point. It was, you know, we were fighting for the three points, um, and we and we did that in the end. I said in large parts thanks to the goalkeeper, um, but we did it. I thought defensively, second half I thought we were better than the first half. We we allowed Stoke to Strikers far too much time and space. It was always acres of space, um, in and around our area, and um, that we've sort of learned from that in the second half. Um, I thought the chances you had in the second half were, were sort of much more, like lesser chances than certainly in the first, half, other than like I said, the chances in the second half in the injury time. Um, you'll take, take what we can get, you know. We're, we're, every every point's precious. We're, we're, although we're tending the table, we're trying to stay up this season. So for us to get three points last night, it shows that there is some character in this team, uh, which is good. Which is obviously what we what we are very keen. We're keen to show new managers keen to show and everything like that. Um, smash and grab. Rudar look, I don't know what you want to call it, um, but that's what it was. But um, we, we'll, we will play better than that this season and lose. And I'm sure you guys will do the same same, same thing and play much worse than that and win this season. It's how it goes. Um, but we will certainly we're certainly very very happy with us uh, with us three points.
1: Lovely, thank you very much for the audio, mate. So yeah, I agree with you. I mean, clearly, you know, you you understand that you got away with one, um, and, and I think you're right. I mean. I think we'll all win games that we probably shouldn't. Um, It doesn't stop you getting frustrated, obviously. So, you know, so so be it. But I mean, one thing, you you know, he did mention, by the way, was that their keeper had a cracking game or I think he said one one of the best games um, of of the season. Um, That's one area I'm going to disagree with you with. Uh, Bar the Nick Powell flick uh, at, at that corner towards the end, every single shot, as I think you said, Anthony, was at the goalkeeper. Like it was poor finishing. Their goalkeeper did nothing that I wouldn't expect another 10s-buddy goalkeeper to do, and that's just roll onto the ball. So, no, for me, mate, he didn't do anything special. Um, yeah, my opinion, you may disagree, but he he, he he pulled out one good shot shots uh, save And that's it. Moving on to some of the news. So the the Stoke City Council obviously met with the club. Um, Unfortunately, I wasn't there this time, uh, mainly due to COVID. (laughs) Unfortunately, uh, I'm finally over it, well and truly over it now. But um, anyway, everyone else was there. And there's a few things that have pulled out from from those meetings. Uh, There's a lot of different things covered. And I'd just say to anyone who hasn't read the ball who is interested, they are on the Stoke site. So um, no excuses for not knowing what's going on because it's all on there for you. So, first one, um, there'll be a meet-the-manager event I think the club are are looking at. So, they're looking at some dates that that should be uh, good for everyone. I kind of personally hope it's going to be soon because it's going to feel a little bit, I don't know, it's going to feel a bit redundant if it goes on after the World Cup, for example. So, I think they need to try and get the skates on with something like that, personally. Um, But I think it will be good to see Alex Neal. He's very straight-talking. I can't wait to see what questions they actually give him. Because um in the press conferences you can see he doesn't take any crap, so uh, that should be that should be quite interesting. Um, another one that I've again quite disappointed about because I've seen all the images and everything. the club bar was originally I think was it meant to be October and then it went back to November and now it looks like November may be a bit touch and go. apparently there's been delays with the contractors um, and stuff like that, so it's going to be pushed back again. So I know that there's a lot of people who used to love Delilah's bar. And I mean, I think it's understandable to be frustrated. One thing I would probably say is if you think you're frustrated, imagine how the club feel here. They're missing out on big money that they yeah. could have opened up for the World Cup and everything else. So I bet they're as peed off as anybody else, to be honest. Um, it's, it's going to be good when it's in there. I mean, are, you, are both of you boys planning on going in quite a lot or is it more casual as when you feel like it? or?
3: It's been more, more casual for me. Uh, not been in a lot, to tell you the truth. Um, mainly because of the time I finish work on Saturdays, but it's I haven't really got time to get in there. But, uh, is, it,
1: is it something you would go to on a non-Stoke day? So if if the World Cup was on, just for argument's sake, and you were off, would you make the effort to go to the stadium to go and watch that,
3: or would you just watch it at home? Uh, I think it's a good point. I think, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I probably would if it was a big England game. I think uh, the only problems you've got these days is people tend to look at the financial situation, don't you? Mm. You know, with with the way things are going. And they might not think, you know, they, to sit at home and watch it with a, a bottle of bud or whatever you do uh, is is a better option. But I mean, I was certainly a big England game. It's nice to get in a crowd of people, at it.
1: I agree with you. It changes everything. I mean, I'm, Dan knows I'm not a big international football fan um just doesn't massively do it for me but <laughs> i i i, I do wrong I, I love watching england games i really do but past that it's just like okay I'm, I'm all right now i'm done um but you know and that's fine everyone's different but like i said i, I think i would yeah 100 i think i'd go to it um so hopefully they open that up soon anyway um a couple other things so the the plans for a fan hub um, are still on the table uh, so they're looking into how you know what that can look like, where it can go, etc. Um, so obviously, I went to I think it was Huddersfield um, with with Andy before, and there was there was a couple of things going on outside. It's it's just something good to get kids involved in and stuff like that. They had a player signing autographs outside. Um, you know, get some of the injured players. They got, have a massive queue. They they could all line up. All all 55 of them that are injured, they could all do it. <laughs> um so yeah there's, uh, there's there's plenty of scope, and I think it's about space, I guess they're gonna have to look at where that would go, but um, yeah we'll we'll soon see. and then one final thing, the council basically asked the club to see if they could make the match day playlist available via you know third party music sites, so they could have like a like I guess if you're on Spotify, you could have like a, a Stoke City match day playlist that you can go in there and you know what's going to be played out or maybe songs you want to revisit at the end of the game or whatever, um, which I think is quite interesting. So the club's going to speak to the media department cool in advance. Oh, sorry, go on.
2: Oh, that's quite a cool idea. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 re- it's a really good idea. Mate. I, I, I really like it. I mean, I think it'd be nice if they could maybe incorporate that with like the Stoke City app um and maybe have like a voting thing maybe you know votes between monday and friday and you know you the fans will vote in the music
3: i, I, loved, I loved when we used to kick in with the foo fighters and pretending yeah and i like the
1: boys are back in town. town that was always my favorite
3: <laughs> yeah I forgot about that's a long time ago yeah with no, the count
1: the robotic countdown
3: and then we have <laughs> the M&M thing don't be coming on now uh, at the start yeah
1: it's good to mix it up a bit. The M&M's getting a bit old. I mean, I I yeah. don't I, I like it, but it's, it's just getting a bit old. Well, I just thought so,
3: the Foo Fighters one got the crowd going. Yeah. Yeah, it did, the, mate. The as well.
2: well. Do you know, obviously, that, that Foo Fighters one used to be accompanied by the video, didn't it, of
3: mm-hmm. the
2: first yeah. season in the Premier League. And I think that kind of sort of spirit in your face kind of sort of play, like, players, basically, and, you know, BT, Shawcross, Wilkinson, you see him all, like, cut and stuff on that video, don't you, and carrying on. <laughs> I think this team, you know, I think Alex Neal's a kind of manager, he's got a bit of Tony Pugh, in him in that respect, hasn't he, and mm-hmm. what he expects from his players. Yeah, I think you 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 might see that kind of relationship between supporters and, and players look, this year.
3: The McCauley thing as well, with we'll the Scottish Lilt there. Um, I, I quite like his interviews I know you were saying he, he's got a bit of an edge but I, he's, he's considered with that edge he, I, yeah. I, I, I was told he was a bit um, prickly but I don't think he is I think he I answers like to straight to the point
1: No he does mate and I like how he doesn't give away like injuries like when Ange asked him you know should I even bother asking you about injuries and you know what No, don't even bother because he clearly ain't going to give it away and I understand they sometimes may have to ask those types of questions. But I, I think it's great. More manage, more managers should do that. Why would you give your injuries away? And say, you know, so, I mean, time and came in and nobody had a clue he was even fit, never mind starting. And then obviously got injured and then he's been out for the last five, six weeks. But that's not the point. He's, he's still started without anyone knowing. I think that's great. Like, you, the opposition cannot plan for that.
3: No, no. They, they can't look at it in midweek and think, well, they're going to be missing him, missing him. He's not
2: giving it away at all now. Well it's like Campbell, isn't it? Campbell went off at Preston. And he did that interview with the Radio Stoke on Monday. And they
3: didn't even bother
2: asking him. Is he get you know is it a serious injury? Is it will he be back?
3: That's so, kind of we'll see. We'll see.
1: Yeah, I love it, mate. I'll, I'll keep keep it coming. It, it's a it's a refreshing change to have that type of approach, if my Um so, moving on a little bit further, so we've got the uh, the women's uh, catch-up as well. So, um, obviously, Stoke coach Lou Roberts always likes to get in touch and give us a bit of an overview of the last week and, obviously, what's coming up. So, let's have a quick listen to what Lou had to say as well.
4: Evening, lads. Lou Roberts from the women's team. And the last time we spoke, we were preparing for the visit of Albion St. Michael's in a league fixture at Emery Stadium, and we just come off the back of a real consistent run of results, five unbeaten. So we felt really confident going into the fixture prepared well, um, but our unbeaten run wasn't to be continued. Um, A dominant performance just wasn't quite enough on the night. We asked all the right questions, moved the ball well, created great opportunities, um, more than enough to take the three points, rattled the bar midway through the second half. But unfortunately, it just wasn't our night. I think sometimes in football you have those evenings where it just doesn't quite fall for you. I think everybody probably understands after yesterday's game, it doesn't matter how well you perform. If you don't at the back of the net, you don't take the points home. So a lesson learned then, a really tough result for us as a group to take. I think that's a game setting the standards so high this season that we'd have really set our standard to go there, dominate and to take the points. Um, so a tough night for us on the grass. But something I've learned about this group over the last few months is they're resilient and they'll come back stronger. So focus is very firmly now on this Sunday which is Huddersfield away. They're proven at this level. They've been in this league for a couple of seasons now, and we know the challenges that they'll they'll pose on Sunday. So lots of prep on the grass this week to make sure we're ready to go. And as we make that journey up there on Sunday, we'll be looking for a positive result and a positive performance. And fingers crossed we come back with the three points. Up the Potters. <laughs>
1: Cheers, Lou. Thank you very much. So, yeah, tricky tricky result for you. Um, no doubt you'll bounce back uh, against Sunderland on, on Sunday. Uh, Sunderland? Huddersfield, rather, on Sunday. Um, I don't know where the hell that came from. So, uh, yeah, f- fingers crossed for you. You're still having a decent season. Uh, I, know, I know you said Huddersfield have been around for a while and you know quite a, a decent team, but um, they're no Stoke City, so good luck for Sunday, Lou. Um, and Dan, under-18s, under-21s. How has that been in the last few uh, few days or week?
2: Uh, yeah, so obviously we said on Monday's pod, didn't we, that we uh, lost at home to Everton. The under-18s did uh, last Saturday. Well, this Saturday they uh, travelled to their Merseyside rivals, Liverpool. So, yeah, they're off to the Liverpool Academy on Saturday, 11 a.m. kickoff, That's in the league. Um, so hopefully we can get back to winning ways. I think it's second versus third, that is, that match in the under-18s table. Uh, and then the under-21s uh, played Nottingham Forest. It was a Forest side with a couple of, um, shall we say, the 20-plus <laughs> signings that they've made in the summer who haven't quite got a game yet uh, playing. And, uh, yeah, so the, the under-21s went down 4-1 away at Forest. Uh, the goal was scored by Tom Sparrow, who I believe was his cool. uh, sec- second goal in three games. He scored against Norwich as well.
1: Whereabouts um, is he playing, Dan? Do you know? Is he, is he playing in more of an attacking form I uh, think he's attacking playing,
2: position? I think they've put him back into central midfield, I think. Don't, yeah, I'm not 100%, but the way the team's set up, it looks like he's he's back in his sort of central midfield position.
3: Right, OK. So just play the first half of
2: that, Dan? Uh, so yeah, Suta and Connor Taylor both played the first 45 and then came off
3: at half-time.
2: So it's good to see, uh, like I say, Connor Taylor obviously getting some minutes, probably just keeping him ticking over there, isn't it? The
3: fact that he was involved. I had a few people talk to a few people. Um, well, Vale fans who were saying uh, that when he played against them last year, he was the best player on the pitch by a mile. You know, but it's it's League Two football, and he's he's gonna. You know, as he's coming up now into the Championship, it gets more difficult. But he he will make himself a player, Conor kind of Taylor. He's a, he's a good player.
2: Yeah, and he's he's another one as well. I mean, we signed him. He hasn't come right through the Stoke team. I mean, like some players, like you know like Sparrow or, or and Tezgal, and that. they've been there since they were like seven years old, haven't they? And come right, you know, they've had have had ten plus years of of you know academy coaching. Yeah. And the thing with Connor Taylor is we signed him about two years ago from Stafford Rangers. So he hasn't had he's not had that that build up and that that um, you sort of, sort of guidance from a young age. So you imagine he, he probably did come in quite raw, and he's probably got accelerating his sort of progress as well. And his ceiling's probably a lot higher than what what he's currently showing because he's not had the coaching. You know, he's still got a lot of coaching and room well, for growth.
3: We, we keep him on the fringes, and he'll come through. He'll definitely come through. I mean, the games he's played. I mean, earlier on the season, he was probably our best player a couple of games.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, we said, like, Ben Wilmot was top of our standings in the, in the player of the season. It was, um, it was Connor Taylor initially. He was our player of the month in August. by He got nearly double what Baker got, who was second. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we've just got to keep patience with him.
1: OK. Uh, Anything else from the under-21s or under-18s, Dan?
2: So under-21s, they play on Sunday at St George's Park, and they are against Sunderland. So maybe that's... Maybe you subliminally... You were getting <laughs> Sunderland there.
1: What's <laughs> have done. Yeah, must have seen something earlier. Yeah.
2: <laughs> if we are on the, the subject of youth players and stuff, then uh, so we should just make maybe put a quick line out to say, obviously, if anyone hasn't seen Ryan and has replaced Carl Dickinson at Hanley Town, hasn't he? Two ex-Stoke Academy graduates there. Um, Dickinson gone for non-footballing reasons, I believe um so yes it was oh good gosh. luck to good luck to the pair of them one in these new job and one in whatever job he ends up in next
1: yeah absolutely mate and if anyone hasn't listened to it then we did uh, an interview with deco uh, a little time ago so it'll be on if you go to spotify or wherever you go uh, you'll be able to flick back through um there was a little bit of issue with the audio unfortunately we had to kind of recreate a lot of it because n- none of our faults it was just technical uh, glitches, basically, but uh, it's still worth going back. Uh, Dan managed to rescue that really, really well, um, to be honest. So go back and have a listen. Good, good to hear from Deco oh, and obviously the owner of, uh, uh, you yeah, know, the chairman.
2: Also, it's also good, like the the work that sort of Men United are doing with Hanley as well, sort of mentioned on there and you, Yeah, which is always, I'd say, good to know for anyone who, yeah wants to use that service so
1: let's move on now let's preview the next game which obviously is Coventry at home on Saturday
5: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom like Evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option I never really was a salad guy that's just not who I am but Noom worked for me Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
0: Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
3: No, so we've got to sort home form out. I mean, looking at the the table as it is, we're 16th, are we? 16th? Yeah. Tonight, Um, away form, we're 7th in the table. And home form, we're 19th
1: i didn't actually i've not even looked at that, that that's pretty bad that'll be one of dan's stats now you know mate
2: that is one of dan's stats
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go i tell you what who the hell's andy andy you can get lost mate we've got anthony hall on the pod mate. He, he's he's got him ready we haven't even asked him and he's prepared <laughs> Love it. um okay well yeah no you're right mate we need to sort that out i've, I've not seen it um Dan, any other, well, I'm not, I don't even know I'm asking. Yeah, I know you've got stats. So what, what other stats can you tell us?
2: So we have played Coventry 68 times. We've 10 draws, won 29 and lost 29. Cool. <laughs> so that's pretty equal. Um, <coughs> that's sort all of stats. Uh, just if you want to be a positive person, we've played Coventry four times in October uh, and all of them at home. Won three, lost one. So we've got a good record this time of year. Uh, Liam Lawrence's winner in 2008 is the only state win versus Coventry though since 2006. Uh, drew three and lost four in that time. Uh, the last five home wins versus Coventry, dating back to August 1979, have all been to nil. So if we concede, it's game over, unfortunately. Um, either Either side has scored more than one in five of the last 14 meetings, so there's not very many goals um, knocking around in these fixtures Uh, if Ben Wilmot plays, it will complete the set for him of having played against every current championship side and the same goes for Dwight Gale in that respect so they've played against every team in the league apart from Coventry Um, And Coventry are the only side that DiMaggio wright Phillips played against last season, home and away. So, Anto just mentioned there about um, uh, Stoke's home record being 19th. That's eight points from seven games. Uh, But on a positive, they've only conceded two goals or more on two occasions out of seven games, which isn't a bad record, really. Um, Coventry's away record They are 18th with seven points from eight games, um, scored eight and conceded 12, but they are unbeaten in the last four away games and haven't conceded in 345 minutes on the road. That is all. That's
1: all. All right. That's shorter than normal. Uh, Thanks for that. Uh, Anthony, uh, have you got any uh, random stats you want to throw out there while you're on that subject?
3: Just on the. Points against the top four. We've got eight points <laughs> against the top four. And three of them games have been away. Two often wins, but eight points against the top four. So we're actually suffering more against the lower side, which is not unusual, is it,
1: <laughs> Stokes back, aren't they? Eh? <laughs> I was, oh,
2: yeah. was gonna say that sounds like a stokes that you could any yeah. season. <laughs> yeah, you're right, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Absolutely fine. Um, So let's catch up with a bit of back-to-back audio. So again, we always like to bring you plenty. So we've got Graham McGarry's prediction um, alongside uh, the catch-up with the Coventry camp as well. So obviously we'll see what they've had to say. Uh, So uh, let's roll the audio.
2: Hello there you potters predictors, well, it was a disappointing result, wasn't it? But there's plenty of positives still to come out of that midweek defeat to Rotherham United. And that's what uh, Alex Neil will be hoping that he could take into the next home game when Coventry comes to the Bet365 on Saturday afternoon. Stoke City, well, it was an opportunity to try and bridge the gap and get themselves into the top half of the table. It just didn't work, but it wasn't for the lack of trying and the lack of creativity. Plenty of chances, plenty of determination... Plenty of good attitude and application. And if Stoke can take that on into Saturday's game, surely the points will come their way. They can't be guilty of missing those chances, though, when they come along. But I'm going to go for Stoke to put it right this weekend. Back on Winning Ways. Stoke City 2, hard-working Coventry City
3: side 1.
6: My thoughts on the Stoke City game in from a Coventry City perspective is that um, it's a good game actually for us. We've got a very good record against Stoke. Um, in recent memory, I think we've not lost in the last five games. Um, obviously, we beat you guys in the FA Cup 2-1 when we were a League Two side. Obviously, come back to the Championship. Um, we drew against you and then won 3-2 away. And then last season, uh, we beat you 1-0 and drew last game of the season and um, i think a lot of fans left this game against stoke last season quite upset that we'd only drew with you um so it'll be definitely a challenge alex neil's a very good manager um i think he'll get you guys organized um hard to be um there's a couple of players who I really like it. Stoke, um, Tyrese Campbell being one of them. Uh, the left wing back Josh Ty- Tyman, is also really good. And obviously you've got Bersek in goal, who's um, a very good keeper. Albeit he was probably slightly at fault for the goal on um, Tuesday night against Rotherham. But yeah, he's a good goalkeeper. He's played for England. So yeah, um, I think it'll be a good, a good football match. Um, I think Cov Cov fans will go there thinking it'd be good if we could get a a win. Um, But, yeah, I think if you offered me a draw now, I'd be quite happy with that. Um, It's just a case at the moment. We're just trying to get as many points as we can before the international break and hopefully get ourselves clear of the bottom three and um, climbing up the league because I don't think we're a bottom three side at the moment. I think the fact that we've obviously had four games that we've lost, um, three games due to the pitch and obviously one game, due to the sad passing of the Queen and um, we're playing catch up. And I just feel that we've just started to click into gear and um, we've got O'Hare coming back. We've got Liam Kelly coming back, Gus Hamer's back available. So, yeah, we're getting stronger and we're looking a bit more like the side that played really well last season in patches and, and beat some really good sides. We did the double over Fulham twice and um, we beat Sheffield United 4-1 last season. And um, turned in some really good performances home and away. So, yeah, it's um, looking positive. I will probably go for a 2-1 cov. win.
1: Lovely. Thank you very much indeed, both. Obviously, I really appreciate it. Um, I mean, obviously, the Coventry guys, they're they're feeling confident. Um, I I get it. I don't think the Bet365 is the fortress, as as we all know, anymore. Um, But at the same time, looking at how we've been performing the last three or four games... I genuinely wouldn't be looking forward to playing Stoke right now. Uh, I still think we can easily overturn Coventry. I don't think they're a bad side by any stretch of the imagination. I think they're, they're better than where they're actually placed. Um, but yeah, I don't think it will be easy. I don't think you're going to win 2-1, which was your prediction. But... Um, we'll catch up with you um, after the match as well, see what your your post-match thoughts are. And Graham, I mean, I've never... I don't think I've ever seen you go for a Stoke loss or anything like that. So a 2-1 win prediction. Um, I hope so, mate, because when I think about the games coming up, not easy matches. I think we're... I think we've got Norwich away and Wigan away, I think, are the next two. So not easy games at all. Uh, But again, maybe away is exactly where where we need to be based on what you've just said, Anthony, to be honest.
3: Yeah. That's probably six points.
1: Yeah, it probably is. You know, t- games that we necessarily... I mean, Wigan, you could say, yeah, we, we would hope to win that. Norwich will be a tough one, but mm-hmm. no, knowing Stoke, we'll go and beat Norwich and lose to Wigan. Mm-hmm. You, you know you know, it's going to come, don't you? Um, Dan, please, for the love of God, tell me that Gavin Ward is not refereeing us on Saturday.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he is... Not <laughs> <laughs> good, um, James Linnington is the referee. Now, I'll be yep. honest with you, it was a name that I was like, Oh, is he a new ref? I'm not, not, don't know that one. Uh, it turns out he's been ref in the football league since
6: 2007.
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> those... Yeah, he was like one of the longest standing EFL officials. I was like, All yeah,
3: right, okay, fair enough. Has he had us before?
2: Well, oh yes. Let me. I'll get into this. Two seconds. <laughs> so, he has given a card in his last fifty-five games. So, fifty-five games since he last refed a game and didn't give out any cards. Ooh. Last season, thirty-two games, hundred and forty-four yellows and seven reds. <sighs> there, he had two games where he gave twelve cards out in them, in, in in a game.
3: That's a high stat. That's a high
2: step. This season, he's calmed down a little. Ten games, 39 yellows, one red. The most he's given out is five yellows and a red. That's now, his last Stoke game was the 17th of April last year. 0-0 home draw with Reading when he sent off Harry Suter late on. Yeah, I remember that. So that, yeah, that was like during lockdown, one So there was like yeah. no fans.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, his last Coventry game was the uh, the 8th of August uh, last year when they beat Forest 2-1 at home. So he hasn't refed either team for over 12 months. But overall, he's reffed three Coventry games, given them six yellows, no reds. He's refed six Stoke games, seven yellows, three red cards in six games. So, the other two, but we're both in the same game. Do you remember when Gary Routes, um the season, sorry, the first season we moved out, we Rowett and then Nathan Jones? In the April of that season, we lost 3-1 away at Swansea. And he yeah. sent off Bruno Martins Indy after 54 minutes and then sent Tom Edwards off for two bookings on the hour. Mm. That was him. He was that referee. Yeah. <laughs> so, so
3: yes. Yeah. Another Stoke-loving referee.
2: Yeah, now I sent you these. I sent you these uh, the clips of these, didn't they were on, Mike, of the, I? They on Mark. I yeah. got, I found the three, the three uh, red cards, and sent them to him and said, "Yeah, what, what do you think of them?" And you, were, you thought they were quite sort of fair decisions, didn't you? I mean, I yeah. don't think Tom Edwards can complain with this. No. He just, he had Dan James running at him, and he just, he thought he was on a yellow, and he just literally just run into him, was, and pulled him down. Was Martin's
3: end where he was getting away from goal? He got it rescinded.
2: I think, yeah, I, I don't think I even say Martin's indies was he was one on one with Martin's Indies running after me, and he he cut inside, and they sort of tangled legs and went over. But he had Klukas and a couple of other players running across.
3: He got it rescinded, I'm sure he did.
2: Yeah, I think he it was like he was the last man there. But, but you you sort of could see that, couldn't you, Mike? You were quite to me. You were sort of thinking you could see the red in it.
1: Yeah, it it was it was a close call. I just think the pace that he was going at, he could have easily got to the, into a goal scoring position before those players are coming across. You you can see both sides with that one.
3: Yeah,
2: and then the suitor one, I uh, it was again it was a fifty fifty. I think the the, the striker realised that the keeper was probably going to get the ball. It's just again a bit of a coming together, slightly clumsy, but he's he's made the most of it and yeah. He's done what, done what strikers do and got the penalty. Oh, got the uh, the free kick and obviously the, the red card.
3: Yeah, I remember that one. I've got no arguments with that one. Right, well,
1: let's hope we don't get sent off or bloody bookings again then. Sounds like we might be in for at least a few bookings anyway. Um. So, team selections and score predictions. Um. Anthony is the guest. I'm going to come to you first, mate. Are, are there any p- major changes you would make to the team that played on Tuesday? And what's your score prediction?
3: Um, no, I can't see it. Oh, unless um, Smallburn comes back in. But that would mean taking up to the bench. And he played really well the other night. So that's a contentious one. Uh, I'd leave the side as he was, apart from that. But I mean, having said that, the lads who commanded really well. But we've we, we played really well for. How many minutes? Seventy-five minutes. I don't know, with, with you know, before substitutes and everything. And uh, so I'd leave it as it was. But and
1: uh, Nick Powell doesn't come back. Doesn't come back for you?
3: No, I thought he was excellent actually when he come on. He, 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 he um, ran the midfield. But I would, looking at the whole game, I would say the side did well enough to be picked again. Yeah. Um, prediction: 2 0 Stoke. Okay, go for
1: nice. Two. Uh, Dan,
2: yeah, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? It's whether some of the players are fresh, you know. Like, like I say, I think Powell played well when he came on, Clark, Clark seems to play well every time he steps off the bench. And you think he's just unfortunate that Sterling's playing very well as well in his position. Um, DiMaggio is lively. Brown, not quite. But obviously, he's been out quite a while, so you can understand. You know, did any of them do enough though to you know, force the way in? And I'm not sure they did. I think, like I said, the only one is Smallbone. Like, like the answer there, Smallbone could come back in if possible. But who'd you leave out? That's <laughs> unless he goes in. For maybe Lorraine, and they have Baker and Smallbone as, as a, a midfield pairing. Mm,
1: yeah, I, I I think you mentioned the other week, mate, that Baker and, and Lorraine were a really good partnership.
2: Yeah, for yeah. me, I think they just complement each other really well, I'll be honest. But it's like we've got options everywhere at the minute. <laughs> yeah. And we've got players coming back and we're like, well, we're being overloaded. We've got too many players. What's going on?
1: <laughs> it's quite funny because Alex Neal probably still doesn't know what his best team is yet, and these players coming back just makes his
2: life even harder.
3: I <laughs> yeah. looked at him last night, and even when Thompson came on, you know, a couple of fabulous crosses into the box.
2: Yeah, I mean, he'll come on, looking like Zorro. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's another one, isn't he? You could put him into midfield who, you know, into midfield, couldn't you? Or you know, could, could could Thompson come in and play a, sort of a left back role and give Fox a rest.
3: Oh, Fox is playing really well.
2: Yeah, uh, it, it's, I think it's all about the, you know, whether the, the physios will ever get hold of him over the next sort of twenty four forty eight hours. And oh you know, yeah, you know you are not you're not going to be hundred percent for the weekend, or you know you're you running a bit low. You you you're, and so have a rest. Got next, you know, got seven days after Saturday, and that you know, that could be that could swing it the other way. Though, couldn't it? there isn't a midweek game next week, so can you get me? Can you get through one more week for me? One more game for me? You got a week off then?
1: Okay, cool, lovely. So, um, I mean, I'm not going to change anything either, to be honest with you, Dan. I'm, I'm, and Anton, I'm going to keep things pretty much the same for the exact same reasons that you boys have got, which I'm not going to go over again. But uh, I think prediction wise. I don't know. I'm gonna say one-one. I, I, I wish I could predict a win. I've just not gonna, not gonna feel we're gonna have quite enough. I think it's gonna gonna be harder than we think. So I'm gonna go a one-one draw, uh, for for myself. Yeah, and
3: they're, they're they're a bit full possession, aren't they? With the league games, they've to play away.
1: Yeah, I think so, mate. I, I definitely don't think they're as bad as the uh as the Luke at all. Uh, at least at least not how they've been playing. Um. So yeah. Incidentally.
2: Um, I Um incidentally, obviously, I've said in my stats that I didn't say that it's 345 minutes away from home since they conceded. They've beaten Sheffield United 1-0 at home tonight as well. But ah, looking at it, they only had two shots and they scored. One of them was an 87th minute penalty that they won That they won the game with. Um, and Sheffield United had 19 shots. So they have unroberamed Sheffield United tonight.
3: <laughs> um,
2: tell
1: you what, they have, mate, but haven't Sheffield United dropped off? Haven't they one... lost like three or four in a row or something stupid now?
2: I, I've, got, I've got a name here. Sorry sorry to sort of thank you, but the penalty was scored by Martin Waghorn. Mm. That name sends shudders through my... Duh. Right, down my spine. Because Is... he, he Is... always, always scores against us.
3: He's one of them players who... You you just feels as though he's gonna do it against us, don't you? I mean, for Derby or whoever he's been at, he's just he's a nuisance.
2: I think for him, if he if he play if he's gonna play on Saturday, then Jags we've got to make sure Jags is playing because I think he's the kind of player we you know, he, he's he's a clever kind of striker and he? he's experienced, he's he's a bit of rough and tumble backing in and and just you know if you've got like a young centre half who's a bit wet behind the ears kind of thing. You'll sort of have them over, won't you, for 90 minutes, dominate them. You won't be able to do that with Jagielka. No, he won't. Yeah,
3: lovely.
1: All right, that's fine. Let's move on to the uh, the final sections, actually. Uh, so the fun section, as I like to call it, although the whole pod is fun. I think oh, wow. everybody would agree. Um, so Super 6 update. Um, it was kind of updating. Obviously, there's been some games tonight, which no doubt Dan has once again forgotten. Uh, to, to include in his super six. Um, so how are you? I remembered. You remember, did you? Okay, well, um, actually, Dan, you might want to f- have a quick look, see where about you are, because when I was looking, uh, the table literally was glitching out because it hadn't updated. I think by the time I was looking, so maybe have a look. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, I've plummeted in the last few weeks. I think I've only got like seven points or something tonight. Uh, so I'm now on one hundred and four points. I think I'm like seventieth. When I was Way up there, but yeah, clearly dropped off. Um, we have top in the table. We've got Nick Green still with 152 points. Matt Robinson is still nipping away at his, uh, his toes with 148 points, and then literally one point behind is Mark Simpson. I don't think I've seen Mark Simpson that high this season. So, um, literally, like it's it, there's one week in it. But in fairness to Nick Green, he seems to always be up there, as does Matt Robinson. So. Um yeah, it's still all really close. One week will literally change the whole lot. Um and Dan, have you had a had, had a quick look, see where you are?
2: I am John. The good news or the bad news.
1: <laughs> Go on, I'll take both and whatever ever order you want.
2: For the season, I am up two places to 88th. Yes. I'm closing yeah. in on you because <laughs> in this round I am in sixth place. Oh, wow. So when I actually fill it in, <laughs> all right.
1: I was kinda of hoping you weren't gonna keep filling it in if money secretly, because you're gonna show us up eventually.
2: Well, uh, on that note, Gaffer, because obviously, you know, no one wants to finish bottoming both of them, do they? <laughs> and mm-hmm. if I catch if I catch you, you could be in trouble because <laughs> in Gaffer you are now like the lowest of the three of us. I am twenty-third on eight hundred and forty-eight. Andrew's twenty-seventh and you are 29th, Six points behind Andy.
1: I'm still moving up though, mate. I think it's the highest I've all, all season. All
2: three of us have moved up this week. Aren't we good?
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll take that mate. We'll take it. Okay. Um that brings us on to the last part of the podcast actually. Um so Dan our quick fire quiz, which um, we're going to be testing Anthony's knowledge, I think today.
2: We are. There's one. There's one special one that I, I, do, I got it, and then I don't think me or Mike would have like known him. So I sort of left him off, and I've just put him back on. Uh, so I'll leave until last, and then see if Anto can, can, can get him right at the end. So there's a few easy ones, as always, uh, and a few, maybe a few more difficult ones. Uh, probably a couple couple of hard ones. Paul Williams more games for Stoke, more games for Coventry
1: Coventry for me
2: yeah 20 games for Stoke, 199 for Coventry (laughs) (laughs) so Marcus Hall, more games for Stoke or Coventry I'd
3: have gone for Coventry
2: 87 games for Stoke 308 for Coventry
1: wow really? Yeah, I think,
2: I think if I remember We got him from Coventry And then he went back to Coventry After he left us ah. we were just We were just a little stay in between For a couple of years <laughs> Beyond you good Johnson More games for Stoke or Coventry? Stoke 100, 161 for Stoke 33 for Coventry These are easy ones aren't they? Great player I, actually, I'll be honest, I've really struggled to find players who play. I think there aren't many players who've played for Stoke and Coventry, other than ones who've had, like, you know, a loan spell and stuff. Okay. Um, Danny Pugh, more games for Stoke or Coventry?
3: Stoke. Coventry.
2: 89 for Stoke. He just made seven appearances for Coventry Ooh. on loan.
3: Yeah. yeah I missed all that. <laughs>
2: Uh, Jay Bothroyd, more games for Stoke or Coventry?
3: Coventry. Coventry Scotby.
2: Yeah, 83 for Coventry, just four for Stoke. Carl Dickinson, more games for Stoke or Coventry? Stoke. Stoke. 60 games for Stoke. Yeah, I always thought he played more. It always felt like he played more, didn't it? But yeah, 60 for Stoke, seven for Coventry. Leo Ostivard more games for Stoke or Coventry?
1: Coventry, gotta be Coventry.
2: Forty games for Coventry, just the fifteen for Stoke.
1: I've got a hundred percent hit ratio here. Come on! Yeah,
2: <laughs> well, now it gets a little
3: bit more difficult. I've, I've got somebody. I know somebody who played for both. John Eustace. More games for Stoke or Coventry?
2: Stoke. Stoke. 84 games for Stoke, 98 for. Oh. Oh, yeah. Wunder. Oh, okay. I wouldn't have thought that. Have
1: thought no. That.
2: So the last two. I, 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 I just want to move on. John Eustace, what a fantastic job he's doing as Birmingham manager.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
2: Could he, uh, he, uh, he, you know, quite happily, not saying no want Alex Neal out anytime soon, <laughs> but should he get poached by a club in a few, you know, months, years, time, whatever. And uh, I would be quite happy to see John Eustace, judging by what he's done so far. It, well, did he ever spell, was it Watford last year or something? No, who was he? QPR, wasn't he? Sorry. Q, he did a few games at QPR, didn't he? He did a good job. And he's doing a great job at Birmingham, so yeah. Looks like he has got a decent manager there. Uh, Ali Pickering, more games for Coventry or Stoke? Coventry, Coventry. Seventy-five games for Coventry, ninety-five for Stoke. Ooh.
3: Wow. Okay.
2: And the last mm. one, who I feel could be just, just ants. Ian uh, Painter. Ian Painter. Well, I did see Ian Painter, but Ian Painter only played seven times for Coventry. He played 113 for Stoke, so I thought, oh, that might be a bit. How about Paul Dyson? Oh, did he play more for Stoke or Coventry? I'll tell you clearly. He played over 100 games for both. Yeah.
1: Oh, don't brush it under the carpet.
3: Come on. I'll go and go. Stoke. 123
2: for Stoke. 100 and.
3: 66 for Coventry
2: Oh there you go
1: oh, Unlucky mate
3: I remember the Ian Painter thing because I also remember during the disaster Holocaust, I shouldn't really say that season uh, he missed a penalty against Coventry in the last minute so I remember him going to Coventry at the bar which wouldn't have made any difference for a season but...
2: Yeah because I was, I was obviously sort of researching them and things did he have to retire quite early
1: he well, he did, yeah.
2: not long after he went Coventry
3: It was not long after
2: yeah
1: well you have pretty pretty decent, mate. I'm not sure how many you got now. I think you may have got four wrong, I think, off the top of my head. Yeah, I
3: would agree with something like I'll settle for four wrong.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I think
1: I got so I got, got t- three wrong, I think.
2: Six yeah. out of ten's not bad. And you got six yeah, six out of nine you got, didn't you? And so uh,
1: yeah, not bad, so good. Well that's pretty much it. I mean I, what what I will say is um me and Dan when when we think about these pods and we try and make them you know, a decent length. We sometimes think, you know, is, is less than an hour? Good is, you know, should should we go over? And uh, we we can't please anyone basically because <laughs> because um, we we've been an um, hour and twenty minutes, and we're thinking, oh, it's borderline too much for a podcast. And then we bring it in. At bang on one hour on the last, and we get people asking uh, why was it so short? it's like you literally <laughs> cannot win. I swear. Um, like the the the, like the surveying stuff we've done, people prefer less than an hour. Basically, the pod is what it is if you want to skip ahead, skip ahead. You know you know the format by now. Um, yep. But um, yeah, it's there's no way we can please everybody. But we did joke about just releasing in 10-minute in uh, spurts, so we can have 16, 16 podcasts released in one day. <laughs> maybe, maybe then that'll, that'll please everyone. Um, but yeah, in all seriousness, you know, Anthony, thanks very much for joining us, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. We'll definitely get you back on, because it's uh, it's been really good to listen to you, mate, yep. and hopefully you've enjoyed it. It's
3: been a pleasure for me as well. I'm enjoying your podcasts. So
1: carry on the good work. Brilliant! Cheers, mate. And um, we've got a special podcast we're recording next Tuesday. Which um, Shall, shall we shall we say what it is, Dan? I don't know if we should. Sure no, 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 go no,
2: on, on. <laughs> no. It's a secret.
1: <laughs> it's a
2: secret, but le- okay. Um, can we hint? It <laughs> it's it's some it'll, it's a new. Ooh, and you look into it, looking from different eyes that we've not seen, and I don't think many people will have seen or heard from before. Intriguing.
6: Yes.
1: Yeah, but of so closely connected to Stoke, and also very unconnected to Stoke at the same time. So, that really, does not help you in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah, so
2: I mean, yeah. We've, we've had we've like had a, authors on, haven't we? We've had authors of Stoke books. We've We've spoken to Kieran Maguire, haven't we, and been through the accounts and and his FFP. We've had, obviously, we've had Tyrese Campbell on and spoke for a player's sort of perspective. And this is something sort of connected to a lot of them things there, isn't it?
3: It's a bit like Alex Neal's team use this, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it so is. When
2: so. <laughs> well, I'll leave it there and see if anybody can sort of work out who it is. If, if anyone does, we obviously get on the Facebook group and, sh- and um, put your guesses on there. If, if, you've, got, if you've got it in mind, <laughs> who you think it might be, take it on the Facebook group and we'll... Uh, we will
4: uh tell you if you're
2: right, good. but we'll, we'll, we'll know.
1: <laughs> yeah, either way, we'll, we'll probably release it over the World Cup period, won't we, Dan? I think that's, yeah. that's probably going to be the plan, because, well, the I mean, that's for this... Definitely
3: will be doing it naked, then from what I've been gathering from that, so... <laughs>
1: Well, me, me, me and Dan will definitely be naked, uh, probably in the same room at the same time. But, you know, that that's, I mean, if, th- there might be cream, there might be butter. We well, haven't decided yet, but um, either way, uh, we'll, we'll enjoy it. So, um, yeah, thanks very much for joining us. But look, look what you've done to this pod. It was a very sophisticated pod before you joined. <laughs> oh, God, right. We'll leave it there. So thanks very much. Uh, we'll catch you all uh, next week.